Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today we're talking about making better content and we've got a special guest for you, Liam O'Neill. Liam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I feel like that epic intro music means I have to like up my game now immediately. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like wrestling entrance music. That's my that's my nice. thoughts on it. I like it. Although someone has told me it sounds a bit like um what's the Hugh Jackman film with the with the, the Z- a showman? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I'm with you on both. I'm happy to be a wrestler or a greatest showman. Okay. I'm there. Cool. Deal. <laughs> So, um, for the benefit of our listeners, just give us a, an outline of who you are and what you do, please. So, my name is Liam O'Neill, and online I'm known as the Prove It Guy. And mostly what I do at the minute is help coaches improve their social media presence by um, making better reels, TikToks, YouTube shorts, that sort of thing. So, just improving the content. Nice. And that's not what you've always done, right? No, this is, well, it's, I have done it on the background. I, I enjoyed editing and mm-hmm. I used editing as a, like a relaxing time from working with uh, depression, suicide, anxiety, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So I've been coaching for about 20 years. I worked out, even though I claim to be 21 the whole time, yeah. about 20 years I've been coaching. And I always said, if I didn't wake up and love what I was doing, I would make changes. So I've evolved throughout the years and then, this just came up and I decided that this is the way that I wanted to go. And thankfully it wasn't just a pie in the sky idea. The coaches that I work with are getting like their views are 10 X and they're yeah. even yesterday I was chatting to one who was saying the ads are doing far better off the be the back of my videos rather than uh, what they had been doing. So uh, thankfully it worked. It wasn't just, I'll try that and see what happens. I had been developing the skills for the last, I think I started YouTube 13 years ago so i did all my own editing recording everything mm-hmm. and i've worked for different companies coaches schools i've helped people start programs and loads of stuff so it's kind of always been there but it's never been a focus mm. and now it is and i love it nice that's exciting so how, how did you get to this point then to sort of obviously you ran a business where you help people with mental health difficulties and mindset issues And now here you are helping coaches with videos. Yeah, it does seem, whenever you compartmentalize it, it seems like a strange thing. But my my coaching style was always I want to help people. So I actually moved a few years back. I moved from just doing one-to-one coaching to doing uh, coaching for coaches. Mm -hmm. And then on the side of that, I did a lot of corporate training as well um, as a sideline just with public speaking and stuff. Because I figured there's only a certain amount of people that I can reach myself. Mm. But if I start to help coaches to deliver their message better, to speak on stage, to speak on camera and to do all of that, then I'm going to be partially helping their clients as well. Mm. So there might be someone that would go to you that would have never come to me, but something you learn from me really helps them. So I feel part of it. So doing, that's why I, I didn't just decide to do like ads for cars or anything like that. I decided to work with coaches. So if the coach is delivering a good message and I'm able to get that message out to more people, then I feel I'm still doing the thing that I wanted to do, which was help everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't help everyone on my own. So I feel this is a good platform for me to do it. That's amazing. So that was sort of the yeah. main shift into it. Yeah, and I guess, like, in terms of helping people, what do you mean? Because our motto as a business is help people and have fun, so it's really interesting that that you say this. So the the Prove It guy came from, um, I started doing martial arts when I was 16, Mm -hmm. moved over to London, became a martial arts instructor, went through a whole lot of madness, lived on rice and red sauce. People tried to mug me. There was loads of things that should have stopped me doing it. But I was so focused on my goal and I just kept going. And I noticed quickly when I started to do stuff that people would say, yeah, but it's all right for you because you're special or you've got just something about you. Like I did a lot of spiritual stuff as well. And people would say, yeah, but you're very spiritual. You have a gift. And I used to always say, I don't have a gift. I've like, cause it annoyed me. I was like, if you knew how much work I put into this, mm. like 
it, it looks like a gift. Like when I edit something that looks like a gift, people go, God, you're just born with that. But because it's edited, they never would think that. They think, oh, you must have put a lot of work into that. So I, the Prove It guy came out of, if you give me the time, I can prove to you that you can be superhuman as well. You can be awesome. So it's not just me. Anybody can learn this. And throughout my life, like I used my martial arts skills as a performing magician. And then from the magician stuff, I ended up being a consultant for TV and web series as the magician. Because again, people thought I had a special gift and then I would be able to teach it to you. So the Prove It Guy came from that. So I want to help people to live the life that they... You know when people set a goal and they visualize this amazing life, mm. but when you really break the goal down, say if the amazing life's at 10, they're really aiming for like six. They really believe they can get to six. And yeah. you're like, well, what's yeah. the point in visualizing 10? I want... I get slagged by my clients for doing this because it's something to do with friends. I've never watched friends, but this, I always say this is real life. And then I build an awesome version of myself and then I meet it. And then I just keep getting better and better. So my 10 in a year will be a five. So I need a new 10. So my goal is just to prove to people and to teach people that they can do and be whatever they want in life. And I think I do that by the way I live my life and some of the, experiences that i've had throughout my life as well so there's a a lot to unpick there Um, (laughs) yeah the the first one how the hell does someone your age get through life having not watched friends because you become super obsessed with becoming jackie chan so all you do is watch jackie chan movies i'm a terrible drawer but this is before YouTube days. I would draw out, I'd pause the scene on a VHS and draw the position that he was in and then play, pause, and draw the next. And then I would spend all day trying to mimic what he was doing. So you don't really have time for TV shows. I used to work in a bar and I'd have secret workouts all over the bar so I could get my extra training in during it. So I, uh, obsessed about martial arts is the reason why back then I knew nothing about any pulp culture, anything like yeah. that, any of it, I was like, I do martial arts. What else? That's it. <laughs> so um, which martial arts did you do? So I started off with a tiger and Korean Kung Fu and Swan Young Tai Chi. And then I studied uh, Wing Chun with another master. I studied MMA uh, wrestling with uh, an American coach. And then I did like, um, control and restraint stuff with another specialist. So my main focus was a Shaolin Kung Fu. And then I just took it from there. I wanted to learn all the iron shirt training, all of the, like if you watched my Ted talk, you'll see me get kicked in the balls by my brother who is delighted by it. And then I break a chopstick with my throat and all this madness. And that was what I wanted to learn. because I figured that's how I would get to become the next Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, you see, you keep dropping things in. So <laughs> how did the TED Talk come about? I found out there was a TED Talk happening in my town and I contacted everybody that I could and eventually someone agreed to let me do it. And I hired a vocal coach because um, being from Oma, we have a tendency to not talk with our jaw. Mm-hmm. We kind of talk like this here and nothing really happens and the most exciting thing ever and it's the worst thing ever and there's no change. Yeah, yeah, no no projection. Yeah, so I hired a vocal coach, flew over to London for a day, trained with Marika for a day so I could deliver the the thing and then I got a a guy who actually helped me with my book as well, Ian Rowland. I got him to help me with my speech and we just got in the middle of the speech – I break a chapstick, I get kicked in the groin. I wanted mines to stand out, so people were like, I did a magic trick, all of it. Um, so people were like, that's... I want people to feel when I speak, not just to watch and go, oh, that was cool. I want them to, like, when you get kicked in the balls in front of people, they feel it. Yeah, um, yeah. My actual favorite bit of the whole whole talk is my brother coming up. My, my brother doesn't do any of this stuff. He just uh, has a regular job and just... But he comes onto the stage in a packed room as if he's going to the shop. And I work with people getting confidence to go on stage. And I use it as an example. I'd be like, watch this guy. Never been on stage. Walks on. How's it going? 
kicks me in the bag, walks back off. Bye, he's gone. I'm like, he doesn't know there's a, such a thing as stage fright. So because he doesn't know it, it doesn't happen. But because most people know, oh, I should be nervous. You're like, no, you shouldn't. You should be excited, but you don't have to be nervous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's my favorite part of the talk. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Uh, right. Where next? So, magician. How does someone who's obsessed with martial arts end up becoming a magician? One of the other instructors called Steve Shackleton. Uh we were having a wee gathering after one of the tournaments and, and stuff that we had, and he put a, a 10p into a sealed can of Diet Coke right in front of me. And my obsessive brain was like, that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So it took me three weeks to convince him to teach me anything. And then he taught me how to run one card off a deck at a time, thinking I would give up and couple of weeks after that, I agreed then to teach me some stuff. And then I suppose just the, it's weird. Cause I, I was not good at school. Like I was told never to come back near the building. Whenever a fifth year was over there, like don't even come back. You're not allowed back to the building. Uh, it all got turned around. I'm the only person from my class they've ever hired back to the school to teach stuff. But when I left, I hadn't read a book. I hadn't studied and do anything, but when I found things that I loved, like martial arts and then like magic, that was all I did. Like even uh, girlfriends, when I was learning magic, used to get really annoyed because they'd go to hold my hand when we were walking somewhere and there'd be like a card or a coin or something in my hand that I was practicing something the whole time. So uh, same as with the martial arts, with setting up wee things in the bar, I always tried to incorporate it all into my life so that I'm not taking an hour out, I become a magician, I become a martial artist, I, be, I become a video Everything now I see is video editing. Everything I see, I'm like, that'd make a cool shot. If that doesn't, like, everything now, and I, yeah. I watch videos and think, how can I fix that? How would that be better? So I think it, just an obsessive nature. My, um, my wife hates that. So uh, I'm a graphic designer by trade. And if we're, like, watching the opening credits of a movie... And and I'm like, oh, that choice of typeface is a bit rough. Yes. Yeah. She, she's just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. You're not really suspending belief here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, they could have at least used a, a cleaner font. And just... Yeah. But, but I think people like us get that. When you tell me that story, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get, I get that because... You, you've you put so much work into it and then you know, you just watch it and go five extra minutes would have made that a hundred times better. Mm. Like just tweaking that a wee bit. But not normal people, but people that don't obsess over detail just go what do you why, how did that even, how do you even care? How do you even notice that that was I didn't even notice there was font, I just seen words. You're like, yeah. oh, so <laughs> This would be an interesting one for our audience. If you obsess over detail, um, which I do, so I understand what that can do to you psychologically, Mm -hmm. how uh, have you coached people with things like anxiety and depression where obsession is not necessarily a good thing? It's directing, changing the direction of the obsession because mm-hmm. so the, the easiest way to describe it is I will ask the client, have you a good imagination? And they'll say no. And the reason that they say no, especially with anxiety, you'll say no because you can't focus. Mm. But they can imagine but, all the things that could go wrong. Yeah, 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 which means they can focus. You can focus on how bad it's going to turn out. Mm. So what we do is tr- teach you how to center that focus and go, well, Let's change it. So I, I, I have a thing in the book called the recognize, describe technique mm-hmm. or the already trick. And it's, you recognize the sensation. Oh, I feel this anxiety is happening. I feel the stress. But most people then just let it on. Um, I can't go anywhere with this now. That's it. That's me. This is this tidal wave is about to hit. Whereas if you go right, I feel that. I know what it's like. That's because I'm about to do a podcast. And when I do that, I get a bit nervous. Mm. But I've never freaked out on the podcast and when the podcast is over i always feel really good about doing it so just rationalizing it to yourself it's one interrupting the pattern of i can't remember if i can curse this or not but yeah going, yeah oh. so most people go oh goodness everything's fucked you're like 
there has to be an in-between from oh goodness to everything's fucked. How did you get there? Don't know. I'm like, well, <laughs> let's break it down. Let's let's go. How did you feel just before everything's fucked? Anxious and stressed, right? How did you feel just before anxious and stressed? Were you anxious first or stressed first? Uh, anxious, I think. Do you notice you're already calming down? Actually, a wee... And then they get anxious again because you pointed it out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and then you pull that back. So the recognize and describing it. So it's it's understanding that you have an imagination. So it's a saying I've been using for a long time. You can imagine whatever you want. Why not imagine something amazing instead of imagining everything going to shit and you hating life? So the fact that I, I am more detail-oriented than a normal person normal whatever normal is sure so i'm able to pick up on the words i love linguistics and um how people move body language all of that if you see me on stage doing magic that's what i use body language linguistics all of that so i will say to them you said you felt sort of tired so do you mean but just before that you said you felt exhausted so exhausted and sort of sort of tired aren't the same to me what do they mean to you? And then they go, oh, well, well exhausted feels like this and sort of tired like this. Like, All right, so which one was it? Well, actually, that time I felt sort of tired. Right, so let's go that direction. So it's just about directing the focus, the imagination, instead of letting it like run wild. So for, for listeners now, if, if all the listeners were seated in their house now, listen to this going, this is amazing. These two guys are the best people I've ever heard in my life. Which is most likely what's happening. Yeah, I did think that sounded very likely, yeah. Yeah. If someone runs into your house and says, is that your blue golf? And you go, yeah. And they go, the back window smashed. You'd be like, fuck's sake. And your body would react and you'd get up and you'd run outside and you'd be sweaty and annoyed and angry. And then I'd be like, ha it's not even smashed. And you'd be like, oh, you're a dickhead. And then you come back down. So you reacted exactly as if your window smashed. You imagine the money it's going to cost you, the hassle, if it rains, everything, your body reacted to what you were thinking. So if you can do that and it's completely imagined, what, what would it be like if you just imagined awesomeness? Yeah, instead? that's really so, interesting, isn't it? That And this is a hard one for people. And I know we haven't even got to talking about content yet, but <laughs> but it's really apparent for business owners, especially business owners that have to take a lot of risks and have to take calculated risks, that a lot of those feelings and the bad feelings are choice. So, yeah. so the example you've just used, what was hurting them was their reaction, not not the smashed window on the car. Yeah. And we've all met those people who, when bad things happen, it just kind of rolls over them. They're like, well, I'm insured. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So in a business context then, um, and I guess I call it possibility thinking. So it's where obviously you have to be aware of the risks and dangers in business. It's, mm. it's your responsibility to, but you shouldn't be uh, focused on them. You need to, if you can't visualize what you're trying to achieve, you're not going to achieve it. Yeah. It's, it's like whenever you're learning to drive and you don't want to hit the curb and your instructor keeps going, I just turn out a wee bit there. Yeah. Don't hit the curb. And they're like, just you move wherever your focus is. You will guide yourself that way. You will bring that into your awareness and then you'll start moving towards it. So I fully agree. You need to be aware of the, what could possibly go wrong? And what's a great we add on then is to go, right, the worst case scenario is this doesn't work. So this is what I went through whenever I decided to make a jump to mm. video editing instead of coaching what I was doing. Worst case scenario is I get no clients. I burn through all the money that I have. Someone comes and takes my car because I can't afford it. I have to walk everywhere and I have to like pull back on the adventures that i have mm. am i comfortable with that because of what i want to achieve yeah so then i go well i don't have anything to worry about the worst case scenario that can happen here is something i'm comfortable with if it was something i wasn't comfortable with then i'd have to re-question maybe i need to keep the coaching and do the editing on the side until i build it up instead of throwing everything away and going at one do you think 
and this is this is an interesting business dilemma then do you think in that scenario where you've decided you're not comfortable enough to make the transition do you think having one foot in each side would be more harmful than good not if not if you still are focused on where you're going so whenever I was becoming Jackie Chan, I had to pay for all my training. So I did 80 hours a week in a bar, working in a, two bars in a nightclub. Mm. So one of the bars owned the nightclub. And I would open one in the morning and close one at night. And I, I very rarely slept. Eating was on the job. Everything was a nightmare. But I knew that this would get me to where I want to go. So every time I sat down and thought, I'm just going to quit, what is the point? Yeah. I, I knew the point then. My goal would flash in and it would go, well, the point is all of this. And I go, oh, I. So I can put up with a year in a bar doing 80 hours a week, hating, like I, I don't drink and never have, and I hated everything about the bar. So I was like, I can put up with that because I know where it's going to take me. If you get, if you don't believe that the business is going to work and you start two and you've one foot in one and one foot in the other, eventually the one that's more secure will pull you away and you'll procrastinate and then you'll, you'll start blaming external factor. Oh, that I knew that wasn't going to work. Like climate changing and like wars and everything. That was like, people don't want videos because they can now just talk and do it and there's mm. caption, auto captions on Instagram. There's auto captions on loads of stuff and I have directed loads of people to it that don't want to hire me. I'm like, well, just do this then. You can do it. It's just To me, it's putting time where you don't necessarily need to put time. But if the business isn't running well enough that you can afford to, to outsource it, then you have to do it. So in every business, you're going to have your foot in one part that you could eventually outsource anyway. Mm. So it's having that understanding that I am doing this, I'm living on rice and red sauce because at the end of this year, I'll be an iron shirt affiliate. I'll be the only one in the country in my country that has this. So if anyone wants to learn it, they have to come to me. That's worth it. That's worth hating life and eating because it's not forever. But if I don't see the big picture and I can't hold on to it, I would just get sucked back into I can just go work in a bar. It's easy money. It's an easy job. I'm good at it. There's no risk. It's a job for life. Like how many people listening to this started their own business and were told by someone who loves them. I'm just telling you this because I love you, but this is stupid. You've got a comfortable job forever. And this is a business that will never, ever go away. And you're giving it up to start your own dream of a podcast, a company, whatever. I reckon I get told that at least once a week. Now, um, I'm Bella. I'm 11 years in. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a conversation with my with my grandma today, actually, and uh, she said, uh, "Are you back from Glasgow yet?" And I said, "Well, I've been to London and Birmingham since then, Nan." She's like, "Oh, you 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 work too much. Why don't you just get a normal job?" <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's people that are really close to you and that are saying it out of love, but it's because they don't know. Like I, I not liked, but liked when all the pubs and all closed down. The people that had always said to me, "You should go and get a real job. You should go back to what you were doing. That's there forever." I'm like, "Is it?" Because mm. all the pubs I used to work in are all shut now. I'm still working, doing what I'm doing. That's still going. So. Nothing is really secure. You can have fake security and something you hate, or you can have fake security and someone you love that you can turn into something that's passionate, successful, everything. So uh, for me, if you're one foot in and one foot out, know your, your end goal. Mine's is always up in that corner. I'm very visual, so when I look, I see it. Mm. So up in that corner, know it. So whenever you're struggling and it's hard and it's difficult, you just want to give up, you just go... Oh, yeah, that's going to be awesome. The fact that I can go to Glasgow and Birmingham and London as part of my work. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I grew up in an environment where going to London was, like, a really big deal. Like, that's massive. Like, you're going to London. Jesus, you're going to visit the Queen, you know, that kind of... Yeah. And uh, so, like, I've never let myself lose the thrill of that because... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's... It, 
it's I don't want to take it for granted. It's it, it's unfortunate. It's it's fun. Um, with um with this being the Stay Hungry podcast, obviously some of the things we're covering here um are very much about that hunger and something mm-hmm. something I struggle with, which you'll probably have some insight on, is I don't really like being comfortable. I think I do until I am, and that's when things start to go wrong. Um, discuss. <laughs> so my my question would be: Are you? uncomfortable being comfortable are you are you afraid of the foundation falling from under you your feet being pulled from under um i think i deliberately make things slightly uncomfortable for myself to help drive myself forward yeah so that's usually a learnt we learn that as we become entrepreneurs because you have to do everything everything is uncomfortable yeah yeah you're giving up a solid job you're dealing with family members telling you to get a real job. You're dealing with complete uncertainty. So at some point you have to get to the point, and I did this for myself. I just sat down and I have a best friend conversation with myself. I visualize a version of me in front and I imagine they're my best friend. So how would I speak to my best friend? Because generally we speak to ourselves very harshly. Sure. We go, I'm a bit nervous. And you go, shut up, nervous. Just get it done. You know what you're doing. Move on. But if your best friend was like, I'm a bit nervous, you'd be like, really? How does that make you feel? What what way is it making you nervous? How do you react? You know, I've watched you overcome more. That like, would be really nice. Mm. So I would sit down and go, because as entrepreneurs, we talk about self-belief. But what does that actually mean? So if you believe in your ability to make this amazing company, to smash all the expectations of your customers, then there's no reason for discomfort to drive you again it's the to drive me that's the that's where i would find issue with it for myself it's like having like we both talked about journaling on my podcast which Mm -hmm. everybody should listen to that version so they can find out about your moose hunt but we talked about journaling journaling's great until it gets to the point where you have to journal in the morning or your day's fucked sure i need my morning routine or my day's fucked and like well that's not very good what if you wake up and you can't journal because there's a crisis or something. Are you going to be like, well, you just sit there. I know you're about to have a baby, but hold it in for a couple of minutes. I do maybe journal here. Or the day's going to be mad. Like it has to be something that elevates your life. So if you have to be driven by discomfort, what's the point in doing what you love? If you purposely make it uncomfortable. So then we sit down and have the best friend conversation. And I would ask you if we were doing the best friend conversation, Doing what you do, how do you feel doing it? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm really excited about getting out of bed every day because I love what I do. Right. What do you hate doing in general? What's something that you, you would hate to have to do? Like, do you go to the gym or anything like that? I do go to the gym. I hate cardio. Right. So, you know, the, the bulk bike, the yeah, one that yeah. always in CrossFit. So... Imagine if I said you, every morning you're going to get up, you're going to jump on that for seven minutes, flat out, and then you get to do what you love. How would you feel about that? I don't think I'd be too pleased. Yeah, because why would you? It's, it's something you don't want to do and, you make, and it's uncomfortable, and then it's going to ruin the waking up in the morning and excited because it's going to kill that. So you're you're doing that in, in a, to a point yourself. You're going... This is very comfortable. I need to self-sabotage this in some way and then fix it. So I need to light a couple of fires and then put them out so that I feel like I'm like when we start as entrepreneurs, we're flat out busy everywhere. We're all over the place, putting out fires, everything. And then as we get better, like when when I first started editing my own videos, it probably took me like three hours to do something I can do now in half an hour. Mm. So if I wasn't comfortable doing that and understanding that I've progressed and got better, I would start to mess wee things up. I start to sabotage. I need to be busy. I need to be yeah. Because you're just it's just a pattern that you've learned. So you all learn it by having conversations. What? Why? So then I would ask you, why would you want to be uncomfortable doing something you love? So okay, and this is where it gets really interesting because I am a firm believer that there's no growth in your comfort zone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I deliberately take myself outside of my comfort zone in various ways. It might be financially, it might be in the gym, uh, it might be at work, it might be with my friends. So to to use the gym example, um, I spent a year perfecting my deadlift just because it was an incredibly uncomfortable thing to do, but the reward on the other side was massive. Um, yeah. So then, so then again, your focus isn't on the discomfort. Your focus is on the reward. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. So that's will come out in the best friend conversation. Well, why are you doing deadlift for a year? It's mental. Well, I know after that, like for me, learning martial arts, getting into a cage, or like going on the late high, or fighting with people that are heavier than me, that are more experienced. It's not just a thing that I can use in martial arts it builds my resilience my mental toughness mm, my yeah. consistency like I, when i when i was doing stuff with clients recently i was saying to them about imagine if you went to the gym and you built all these muscles but you couldn't carry in your own shopping from the car because you thought well my muscles are for the gym and i don't have shopping muscles so i'm just gonna have to take one thing at a time it would make zero sense like i was talking about confidence and people saying they've yeah. won i'm like who dressed you address myself how could you do that again tomorrow obviously also you have confidence it's just not everywhere you just why do you leave that why do you say you have none when you have if i took your shoes off and threw them across the room could you put them on and tie them again obviously well then you're confident you could do that so let's use that somewhere else so you're you're it's different if you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone rather than making yourself uncomfortable in your comfort zone, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Love that. So, yeah, I watch a lot of people, and uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners to this will will see it maybe in their partners or their friends who sit in discomfort within their comfort zone. Yeah. And that blows my mind because I know that the fix is – to be as equally uncomfortable outside of their comfort zone, but then their comfort zone will become an incredibly comforting place. Yeah. I, I used to say to my clients, I would love for you to stay in your comfort zone for the rest of your life if it's actually comfortable. Hmm. If it's not comfortable, then we don't want to be there. Like you wouldn't sit in a, a room full of beds and nails when you could get cushions. Yeah. You know a bit, I mean? Sort of on a, on a loose level and without going too dark. It's like, um, <laughs> people who've suffered an awful lot of abuse often end up in abusive relationships because it's what they know. Yeah. It's patterns. Yeah. 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 Right. We better talk about some content because <laughs> we've gone deep. Um, <laughs> so why, why is content important to the average business owner? It's now how people find you. People don't walk into your store anymore. They don't, they, they, they Google it. Actually, now most people TikTok it. Like I think TikTok's starting to, it's either the second now at this point, but TikTok and, and YouTube and even that has changed where they're not just, they're, they're literally typing in, how do I make better content? Yeah. Like that's like sentences now. So it's how people, are going to connect with you. The problem that I notice a lot of people having is I'll have a conversation like this with people. And then the first video they send me, I end up having to text them. be like, who's this? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, who is this person with this accent? And it's like overactive body language. That's not who I spoke to for an hour. Oh, I thought that's what you need to do. And you're like, that's why you keep fucking up because you keep thinking you need to be somebody else. You just be, yourself yeah, on the screen yeah. and then that so it's it's helping build the community so like and i would push people no matter what you do in business like like you're posting your business stuff your podcast but also life because i might say if i need a baker for example i'm if i think right i need a baker to make me a cake for my my birthday I had to buy my own cake. That's a bit sad, but we'll go with it. So buy my own cake. It's a martial arts cake. Yeah, martial arts cake. I'm most likely going to go to the baker that I saw on my Instagram at the gym 
over the one that just posts cake, cake, cake. I'm like, oh, that person, I'm going to remember the gym person because when I see it, I'll go, oh, they go to the gym as well. I love the gym. If they do martial arts, they're winning completely. Then I'm like, I'm in, let's go. Mm. So you're building the community and the no like, and trust. So people will come to you. So it makes it easier to sell your services. Because again, a lot of people struggle selling their services even though they know, like my first question when people say that, I have real difficulty on sales calls, well, is your stuff shit? They're like, no, it's amazing. And if people used it, it would incredibly fix their life or improve their life or whatever. I'm like, then you're actually doing someone a favor by letting them know this solution exists. So, like, unless you're trying to rip somebody off, but if you are, then you won't care anyway, so it won't matter. But um, I think it's important because that is now... That's the newspaper now. It's the flyers, all the stuff. It's the billboards, everything. It, it, it's online is where people are getting everything. Like, yeah, it's really interesting what you say there. So we uh, we encourage our clients to attract like-minded people, which which mm-hmm. is a strange way to niche your audience. But um, what it means is, to let, well, the gym's a good example. We do it with, with my business partner, Andy, with Star Trek. So some of our ads run to people that must also be interested in Star Trek, which feels, awesome. feels like nothing to do with marketing. But then when they get chatting to Andy on a sales call and he drops in a quote from Star Trek, like ma- magic, yeah. magic happens. It's suddenly they're like, oh, you're, you're like me. And 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 suddenly they're going completely off on a tangent, and that no like and trust starts to build, and that's mm. that's exactly what you're saying with with content is, and, and you know you'll know our brand. We have our, our company that puts out various content, and then we have our personal channels that puts out different content. But the the purpose being that we want people to understand the people behind the business. There's no it's no use yeah. just chucking out famous quotes every day yeah and again that that became the lazy way we have to use social media and i just do whatever get the intern to put out a million posts by tony robbins or something it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whenever i used to do the corporate training i used to go in and i would meet the bosses the owners like the ceos everything and i would always say and who are you and they're like, I'm, like, I should know you. And like, I'm the boss. I'm like, all right. Because on your social media, I've never seen you. I've never seen a picture. I don't know anything about any of you people. Well, well, I'm in charge of this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah, that's a video. You, What you just did to me, your wee elevator pitch or, or mm. your explanation of who you are, that's your video. Like, And that's what I would always say to coaches every so often. And for some reason, coaches seem to think they have to reinvent the wheel the whole time everything has to be brand new or a copy of someone that's got loads of views mm. but every so often I'm just jumping on and saying something like hey it's Liam for all you new followers I am super awesome these are the six things that I do that makes me great and this week I actually nothing to do with what I just did this week I actually went and climbed a mountain yeah and then we throw away easy content throw away move but I see that and I go, oh, he he does video edit and he does this and he fixes that. I love mountain climbing. I wonder if he was my coach. Like I worked with a client and we set up his whole company was he took people on retreats. He did um, like mindset training with people, uh, uh, men. And we ended up just doing it where he took them up mountains for a walk and talk because that's what he loved doing. And that's the type of people he was attracting because he was always posting about being up mountains. So I was like, let's just make this your business a hiking mindset business yeah yeah um so whenever whenever you start to do that and show who you are as a person no like and trust makes everything easier within your business Mm -hmm. i'm more likely to share what you do with people that i think will be a fit for you because i trust in what you do as a business but i know when they go on you're going to be dead on and easy to talk to Instead of like it being, they see like a, a inspirational, amazing quote, and then they come on, and the guy's not very articulate. Yeah, yeah. inspirational. And you're like, there's something not right 
here or like I've asked people and who's Remy again I've seen it uh what do you mean I saw a quote R-U-M-I or something Remy what what was it and they go well, gee, I don't know hey that's just some one of the lads yeah. puts out I don't know and like well that's the point is to attract people to you and you're putting stuff out there that you don't even know so like it'll be me putting stuff out about dogs and then you say oh I've got an amazing dog and you name a dog and I'm like I don't know anything about dogs I just people like them so I thought it would be like, <laughs> what's the point yeah yeah no exactly that I mean the way I carry on I probably don't attract many cat people but that's fine <laughs> it's what it is Andy's got cats it's fine he can cover the cat people so having that balance just yet yeah yeah so um what's next with your business now you keep looking up at the top corner I really want to ask you what 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 that vision is <laughs> what's up there what's the goal yeah. um my goal, and it's starting to happen a lot quicker than I was expecting, so I need to actually have a conversation with our mutual friend, but <laughs> my goal is to have That sounded so that I... shady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both work with... I want people to be reaching out. Yeah. So that's the thing. When you make content, you know, you want to be a bit mysterious. Yeah. Well. I need to have a people conversation. People that aren't only really listening, they can't, they can't see me doing a mysterious dance, but... I used to be a magician. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a company that, again, can reach more people than, than I can do on my own. So I want to have people that I train to edit how I edit. Mm. Um, I don't care what, what anyone says, and, and I was talking to a client about this the other day. If you go the cheap option for what I do, and there is many, whatever you send them, they will edit and send you back. So if the content looks terrible, that's what it's going to look like. They'll edit it. Uh, the captions and all the stuff that you can get, you can go to different websites to get it done for you. Yeah, yeah. If the audio is bad, it doesn't matter. They will just do it. Whereas when you send it to me, like I fix the audio, I fix the color if it needs color. I, I, I want it to be like if it was mine, what would I want it to look like? So I fix everything. And, and even if I think, again, because I love linguistics, if I think it's not flowing well, I'll pull bits from the end and put it in the middle and switch it all about to make a nice coherent statement so i want to train people to do it the way i do it so there's no shortcuts in it so yeah. like i've been asked all the time why don't you just use cap cut it's faster and you're like yep dude you do cap cut i'll do mine and we'll see yeah which one yeah. You in the end. um and then i would like to get so that would free me up to have more time to coach people in their content which i didn't really vision doing but since i've started doing this that has been because i'm trained for speaking on stage and trained to speak in the camera and everything uh, it just becomes a big thing i didn't realize that how many people just don't know how to do it yeah so that would be the that would be where i see it having a, a company of people that edit like me so you would never tell it's not me just doing the edit um without just outsourcing it and having it come back spell mistakes and, and mess ups and, and things and then go back to working with people on this is you, you tell me what your company's like and i'll help you create your ability to create content if that makes sense yeah remind me this isn't really podcast content but suck it up listeners uh remind me a friend of mine is an actor presenter who is about to launch a business coaching people how to talk to camera and you and him need to have a chat. So. Cool, I, I will remind you. Uh, but that was something I did. That was one of the biggest things that hit me whenever lockdown happened. I was teaching people how to talk on stage, how to use a stage, how to actually physically own the room, how to do Z scans, all of that. And then, again, that was a job that would never, ever end. And then all of a sudden, it didn't exist anymore. You're like... Oh, now people need to do this to camera. But even getting people that I was working with to go to camera, it's not the same. And you're like, yes, it's not the same, but it's what you have at your disposal at the minute. So yeah. let's just like work with that and then you can build. But um, I am happy to chat with anyone, listeners, anyone that has any questions on video and stage, any of that stuff, just reach out to me. And, and what's, um, what's the best way to reach out to you? I am on... Everything is uh, content. What am I now? Videos for coaches. That's yeah. what I am now. 
doing content videos for coaches or you'll find me as the prove it guy as well um but i just reach out to me i'm i'm, I'm omnipresent as they say wicked um, so i've got two more questions for you and i ask every guest these questions cool so what's the best mistake you've ever made the best mistake i've ever made probably like going into the martial art world the way i went into it mm-hmm. like i went in with no plan no i had a, a dream that was so unrealistic like i wanted to, i didn't want to be like jackie chan i wanted to be jackie chan like that was i wanted to be in movies mm-hmm. i wanted to do all this stuff and i give up everything i give up a job that was really good which had potential i give up um girlfriend at the time family life everything and when i got there i didn't know i didn't know what you needed to have money to live when you moved away from your home i didn't know that <laughs> so i went there i had no money i i bought a big thing of rice and i stole red sauce from mcdonald's and like lived in rice and red sauce for months like it was a nightmare um but that's what got me to everywhere so I don't know if that's a, a normal mistake, but the mistake was no re- like if I had done some research, that would have been a whole lot easier than blind going into it already you, in debt. Do you think you'd be where you are now if you had if you'd done it the normal way? I think I would be still working in the pubs. I know the guys, I see them, I chat to them. There's still people in the pubs I worked in that are there in yeah. the pub. Yeah. I know other people that. We like I started martial arts with people. People started with me and didn't stick at it. So I think I would be working in a bar, most likely married to someone I hate, and just living it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, like, isn't it? I started my business with five quid in my pocket, and I often think, oh, if I'd have had a budget, I could have grown this much quicker. But I wouldn't have. Yeah. I wouldn't have. I'd have been yeah. too, too comfortable. So, right. You would have just burned it out. You wouldn't have known what you were doing anyway. So you would have... Yeah, yeah. You, the way I looked at it was I had nothing and I would have spent... If you had to give me 10 grand for me to do it, I would have spent it all. It would. It's the knowledge and research I have now that if you put me back there now and said, go and do this, I'm like, I'm going to smash this. It's going to be no baller. But if you put me back there with just exact same knowledge and a load of money, I'd be more fucked because I'd have spent all of that and still be trying to pay that back. And- yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes, yeah. like now, I'm very comfortable in paying other people who've got expertise that I don't have because mm. because I've got a base of knowledge where yeah. I think if you start a business and you just pay other people to do everything for you, you're in quite a vulnerable position. Um, yeah. It's, that'll happen with the editing too is people go people come to me and they don't have a clue so I try to teach them some stuff I'm like you know you, you're you setting yourself up for failure there when you go I just want you to do that I don't care I don't want to look at it and you're like alright it took me 8 hours to do that one video that's 8 times the price alright no bother sure because you don't have a clue but the more mm-hmm. you learn about all of this the easier it is to like create better systems and to be yeah. less likely to be ripped off and stuff. So yeah, like we've we've got clients coming on board now who are very informed in marketing. Um, mm-hmm. So when we take a, a successful campaign that was running at six pound a lead and get it down to three pound a lead, they appreciate it way more. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Last question. What's your favorite film and why? Drunken Master. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, Drunken Master one and two, I suppose. But one was Drunken Master was the first martial arts movie I ever really saw. Uh, I had a friend called Andy Kelly that loved kung fu, and I mentioned Bruce Lee. I'd seen a bit of a Bruce Lee movie, and mm. was like, "Oh, I saw a bit of a Bruce Lee," and he was like, "Watch this," and I watched. I watched it, I think, 13 times in a week. And I just practiced and tried the stuff. And I was like, this, like, that was the start. That was me, like, 
It's a gateway you're not drug. This, yeah, I was like, you're not getting this tape back. This is mine now. I'm keeping it. And what I really loved about it is you could tell that Jackie Chan was doing all his own stunts. Hmm. And it's something I, I think, when I think back now, I never really, I think I'm having this, prim- like this is just dawning on me now. But I've always said to people, I will never ask you to do anything I, will ne- I wouldn't do myself. Hmm. And that was his sort of philosophy. Well, if I can do it, I'll do it. I'd never get, if I'm afraid of doing it, I remember in an interview him saying it, if I was afraid to do the stunt, there was no way I was going to ask somebody else to do it. So then I would do it myself. And now when I think of it, that's probably where that came from. And like, I know I'm just about to drop something in here, but I ended up on Ninja Warrior because a client of mine wanted to audition, but didn't want to audition on his own. So I was like, fucking I'll go. And I auditioned for Ninja Warrior and ended up on the show. On it. Yeah, falling in the water. And, uh, went there injured with a torn scapula and was like, I can do this. Oh. <laughs> I could not do it. <laughs> But, yeah. so that, that movie is my favorite movie ted talks ninja warrior magician uh author, author podcast host, podcast host barman martial artist pole dancing champion that's not true that one is it no it's true there's footage i um three time irish bronze medalist in pole dancing how many people took part the first ever one I did was five of us the second one was three of us two of them owned their own studio and I had literally only agreed about a week before to do it and the last time I did it I think there was about seven and I agreed to do it as a birthday present for a friend and I was like I'll do is this a male pole dancing championships or a mixed Oh, that's interesting. No, the, the, it was mixed, so there was male and female there, but I was in the male category. Oh, so they do have um, a category, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually compared the world's pole dancing championships when it came to Belfast last year or the, the year before. So, Of course you did. Um, of course you did. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go <laughs> now. I, I thought we were wrapping up. I've got 100 more questions. Um, maybe we'll, maybe we'll save. How the hell did you compare the World Pole Dancing Championships for another time? <laughs> yeah, cool. Liam, you've been a great guest. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. it was fun chatting.